The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hey, this is Matt Landry, the voice of Anakin Skywalker in Star Wars The Clone Wars. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars. This is where the fun begins. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 144. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a dead. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember... The Force will be with you, always. Hi, I'm Robert King, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away. From movies to books to TV shows and more, we're looking at the deeper themes and meanings found in Star Wars. Today, we're discussing The Bad Batch, Episode 3 of Season 2. Joining me today on the panel are John Coral. Hello. And Joshua Beagley. Happy to be here. Good to have you both. So, as I said, we're talking about Bad Batch Episode 3. The title is The Solitary Clone. And the official description reads, Clones Battle Against a Separatist Holdout. But that's a pretty vague description, I think. Let me try and sum up the episode quickly so we can get into talking about it, because I'm expecting we'll have a lot to discuss. So what's happening in this episode, the Empire is annexing the formerly separatist planet of Desix. The governor of Desix, uh, sorry, Governor Tawani Ames, insists that they are not part of the Empire's jurisdiction and takes the Imperial replacement governor and his squad of stormtroopers hostage. The Empire sends Commander Cody and Crosshair in to rescue the Imperial governor named Groton. So that's sort of the summary of the episode. And one of the really distinctive features of this episode, I thought, was it's all about Crosshair. Um, I don't think I I looked back through. um, I don't think we've had an episode of The Bad Batch that's just focused on Crosshair, have we? Not to my knowledge. Yeah, I don't remember any. Yeah. um, So... What do you think about that? What the this sort of shift in perspective for for the episode? Well, I thought it was good because you know, I guess listening to the podcast last week of those first few our first two episodes, they were mentioning how you know how was the story going to get pushed forward and stuff, and I think mm-hmm. now we get a good idea of okay, well, <laughs> this is you know we're seeing a good. Uh, well, they're doing a good job pushing forward crosshair story because of the you know the questions that are brought up with this, especially through Commander Cody and then how Rampart does stuff. So I think it's really helping develop maybe where we're going to see crosshair go, and then you know as the season progresses. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if they set him as like the main antagonist throughout the entire season, or if he's just sort of going to be this extra story that's also going on throughout the season i mean he is part of the bad batch still so 
I mean, obviously, I'd still like to hear more about him. Like, I love seeing Crosshair. He's probably my favorite out of the group. Yeah. He, he's maybe the most complex character in, in, the, in this show. And, I mean, throughout season one, it was pretty clearly this, this kind of antagonism between Hunter and Crosshair. And I mean, the you know, the other four and, and Omega, of course, but but especially between Hunter and Crosshair, I thought. And um, I'm expecting that's probably going to be like an overarching subplot of season two as well. Um, maybe the whole series. Um, yeah, I uh, it was it was interesting because I know the first sort of the the opening of it where you had the imperial governor coming in and the the governor of of um Desix confronting him i was expecting the rest of the bad batch to come into the rescue or something like that and so when it switched to, to crosshair's point of view it was kind of a surprise for me so we also see commander cody coming back in this episode what do you guys think about Cody? Uh, I I was excited seeing him in the trailer, and I was like, "Yes, we're finally get to see Cody again and see how he's sort of doing after Order sixty six." Because obviously, we know what he did in Revenge of the Sith. Um, Indeed. But yeah, I it was, I thought it was interesting to see that, like, even Cody was having his regrets and still thinking about what he did and questioning the order. His he was sort of alluding to his own personal thoughts through like towards crosshairs just being like oh yeah the clones are questioning the order and like if it was really actually worth doing kind of thing yeah that was i mean i liked that <laughs> i had to look up a little bit more with who commander cody was because i had forgotten that he had been in the revenge of the sith and with obi-wan kenobi and so it was so it was interesting to see his perspective, but also when he interacted with Crosshair about because there was a point where he says, you know, when they talked about some of the clones going AWOL and stuff and having second thoughts. And then he said, like uh, Joshua said, Josh said that, you know, the more uh, clones are questioning the order and then Crosshair didn't blink an eye and just said, well, then they're traitors just like the Jedi. Yeah, uh, and that kind of it was interesting. Even from the beginning, you could see, you know, the difference between the two clones there. One, you know, with the crosshair and and uh, Cody. I, I definitely got the sense that Cody was sort of testing the waters with Crosshair to see where he stood, um, and and maybe trying to get the sense of okay, well, the other members of the Bad Batch went a wall why didn't you what's what's going on there and and we get that repetition of the line that that um that crosshair spoke so often in season one you know good soldiers follow orders and and i almost wonder it's like well why why wasn't this episode called good soldiers follow orders that would be like the obvious if i were titling the episode that's what i would have called it um maybe that's a little too on the nose but it seems to be like what this episode is all about. Yeah, like whether or not you should actually even be following those orders to begin with. Yeah. Like, you definitely saw, I mean, Cody even said it at the end of the episode, it was like the difference between like a clone and a droid is that a clone 
can still think. They still have the rationale of like a normal human being rather than a droid who's directly following orders regardless of like consequence. Yeah. Although, I mean, we have, we have numerous examples of droids that don't follow orders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that the droids have still been funny in this episode. Yeah. Like the interrogation scene with uh, the galactic governor names are uh, yeah. yeah yeah uh, governor Gron. he's like i'm in charge here and the droid's like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i i remember like i remember way back when the um the phantom menace came out and we were introduced to the battle droids for the first time and, and i was like these guys are like being used for comic relief it's it's weird it was like really jarring to me at the time but you know seeing how they've been developed through the clone wars and and um a bit in rebels and and now here it's like yeah i i appreciate the the comedy aspect of the <laughs> at least the basic level battle droids yeah so um i mean talking about making decisions living with the the consequences of your decisions and such that and and whether to follow orders that that kind of just gets us right into the heart of like the big moral dilemma here and um i don't know we could we could go on like a macro level of like talking about just war theory or something and and um you know what what constitutes a legitimate order and something like that or we could just talk about hey what when do you when do you respect authority and when do you uh sort of buck against authority and what what makes that decision for you um where where would you guys like to go with this conversation <laughs> well just one thing i wanted to go back to just a little bit in the beginning of the episode is the difference or the way that like rampart looks at the clones versus you sure. know you know like commander cody or even how crosshair looks at it because, you know, when, you know, um, when, <laughs> when Rampart calls, calls in, uh, Crosshair, it's, you know, by his number CT or whatever, uh, 9904. And, yeah. and then, and then that's how he's referring to him. And then he's just nonchalantly looking at his data pad. He's like figuring out the, okay, this is what you're doing. It's like, so there's no like connection of saying, I care about you or, you know, it's like, you're, you're, you're a person to me. You're just like another number that I'm sending out. And can you handle it? Good. And answer this question, whatever. Whereas, and then of course, later on, you know, when he goes back and he says, what about commander Cody? And Rampart's like, who, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. at the end, it's like, so you see the, see how the, uh, the empire looks at the clones, at least Rampart and some of the stuff versus the clones at the lower level, you know, Crosshair thinks of them as commander Cody, Cody thinks of them as Crosshair. It, they all have mm -hmm. names and unique individual, not just the number. And I thought that was pretty, that was pretty interesting to see. And then that goes, I just thought that would be good to start with because then that impacts then <laughs> later on the decisions they have to make, you know, because of the, the leadership is showing one view, whereas then Cody and is showing a different look when the negotiations happen later on and stuff. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Yeah. The 
clones were made for war, they were seen as expendable. They're seen as a number. But the clones are, again, appealing to their own humanity there and are giving themselves names and nicknames or whatever to, again, make them feel like they're more than just, like, a war tool, in a sense, and that they're not expendable. Well, uh, you know, again, this is something that differentiates them from from the droids because the droids are just numbers. Um, you know, even, even when droids get nicknames, their nicknames based on their numbers, you know, so like R2 and 3PO and such, you know, it's yeah. So the idea that the empire just doesn't treat anybody as fully human, maybe, um, certainly not the clones. Um, and they don't seem to be treating uh, Desix or its, its population as as worthy of of respect or dignity. Um, the I thought it was interesting the the way the governor of Desix consistently uh, put forth this this very uh, strong legal argument that you know we were not a part of the republic. We were, we were not, and therefore we are not under the empire's jurisdiction. You know, this is, this is, you know, she, she's saying this is, this is not your business. You don't belong here. Um, and, and she's, you know, advancing this very rational, um, reason for that position. And the empire is just like, so. <laughs> or even her peace that she wanted because she was already trying to get up with senators from both the um, separatists and the um, Republic at the time and yeah, to come up with a treaty between the two groups. Like it seems like they are relatively like a pacifist group kind of thing where they wanted to see peace and to end the war, but they didn't want it to be like, I guess a unified government. Because they don't want an empire stepping over them. Yeah, that was an amazing bit of dialogue toward the end. Um, <laughs> where Cody says, we're not here to debate politics with you. But, you know, that's that's what this is. This is a political conflict. And, oh, I'm blanking out. Who, who was it who said war is politics advanced by other means or something like that? Um I know somebody wittier than I am, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, that conversation just brings the question out, you know, well, if you did, you might see how unjust your actions are, she says. And it is interesting too, I guess, you know, when you see the, the, I guess in the beginning, I guess my question a little bit with it was. When that first shuttle comes in with the governor, they start sounding an alarm. Was that in general because they knew they were going to take this hostile action against it and they were telling the citizens, take cover? You know what I mean? I mean, it's kind of like a, mm-hmm. you know, and then the second time the Imperials come through with Cody and Commander Cody and Crosshair and stuff, you know, it's like they all take cover again. And then when they open that one door, you know, he's like, we're the good guys. We're here to help. And what I noticed was <laughs> yeah. what I noticed though, too, in that scene is Cody put his gun down, pointed it down. Crosshair just kept aiming it. 
in that one. And, you know, obviously you could see the parent and the child frightened and stuff and angry, I guess, too. Yeah. It was just, you know, you could see the difference, too, between Crosshair as a military option, whereas he, it seems like Cody is trying to not, (laughs) you know, do what needs to be done for his mission, but not to go overboard and, you know, do it justly, I guess, in a sense. Well, and I mean, going back to the mission itself, it it sounds like Cody definitely sees this as a rescue operation. And and it kind of stops there. It's a rescue operation. We're going to get the get the governor, get him out of there and and, you know, leave this behind. Whereas Crosshair seems to at least be open to the idea that no this is the first step in in a full occupation well even rampart said earlier do whatever you need to do or something you know it was like that i forget what he said exactly but it was something like what at all costs do it yeah Mm -hmm. but do whatever he needs to for governor garten's release yeah go in as a diplomat but do it you know yeah but something along those lines where he was just given it was kind of (laughs) like you know, cart, uh, given leeway on how aggressive he needed to be, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I also thought it was interesting then to see Governor Ames as well start trying to not be aggressive, but already reading into how the Empire was going to go about the mission after they mm-hmm. captured the governor. Because she was like, I already know that they're going to be sending people in to, like, kill us, basically. And they were ready to stand their ground. Yeah, the there's this kind of weary resignation in her character, you know, and it's like this is the first time we've met this character and um obviously it's going to be the last as well because she's dead. But um spoiler alert. Um <laughs> but yeah, I mean just the like you 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 feel like you know her you know her situation and just that sense of i've tried everything and and i'm you know she's she's kind of at the end of her um end of her options and there's that weary acceptance of i've done everything i can and i can't do any more and um sort of with that yeah um that reminded me of whenever like she started also speaking of Dooku and how he saw things. And yeah. so she was mentioning about how Dooku also saw this sort of advancement of the Empire coming up to take the place of the other two groups that are conflicting. And he obviously didn't know everything that Palpatine was planning. I actually don't really know if he even knew Palpatine was um, the Senate the chancellor as well i'm not sure of that right now um but it also made me think about like how much his apprentices were able to figure out on their own rather than like the jedi because like it took like dooku becoming an apprentice of him to understand and sort of see a larger plot to overtake everything and then there was maul who Mm -hmm. also understood that on his own to be able to see that hey this was my master's plan finally yeah gosh that's that's so interesting um especially because we've been kind of getting a lot of dooku lately we we had the the 
three episodes from Tales of the Jedi, right? And then the first two episodes of, of the Bad Batch this season were on Dooku's homeworld. Um, and so we're kind of getting little glimpses of Dooku that that we hadn't known before. And yeah, I I like the way you, you connect that to how uh, Palpatine slash Sidious is not... Um, not really bringing his apprentices fully in, in, in the way that maybe uh, the, certainly that the Jedi do. Um, and, and maybe not even the way that the Sith had before that maybe he was doing something radically different, even there of, of using, using even his apprentices as pawns rather than as, as, you know, full collaborators, I guess. Yeah, I found that a little, I was wondering about that too, because I mean, I hadn't watched you know, like the, I've watched all the Bad Batch, but not like the clone series and stuff. And, um, mm. and so I, I haven't seen too much further development of Dooku except for, you know, like the last couple of weeks and, you know, some of the stuff. And it occurred to me, I was, I was thinking, I mean, I remember from, you know, the prequels talking, him talking to Obi-Wan and stuff about not knowing everything and things, but it's just like, I wondered how, <laughs> you know, how much he was on the side of like the separatist uh, area or a uh, planet. And like you said, what he did know about everything. Cause it, it kind of surprised me that some, you know, the way she's saying, Oh, this is exactly what he predicted. Well, did he know mm-hmm. that it was going to be the empire just because of you know, the emperor or was it because he was like Josh was saying is that he was piecing it together. And I think it's probably more that he was piecing it together. Like, you know, the, but that, that really hit me even the earlier on too. So now I'm, now I'm just bouncing back to, um, uh, revenge of the Sith to the, the film. And so Josh, are are you thinking that like the moment when Anakin has Dooku at his mercy and Palpatine, you know, tells him to execute Dooku. Do you think that's maybe the first time that he realizes who Palpatine is? Maybe. Well, I, I understand like if you read the books and stuff and other different expanding universes, things, you sort of know that they were talking in the room together before mm. um, they came in Anakin and Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know how much she really would have known before that. Like, I don't, I just don't know off the top of my head if, like, Dooku also knew he was Palpatine all along and what he was trying to plan there. And that, that just sort of level of uncertainty. I, I don't know how much he knew or figured out on his own. Um, but I, you did mention them being pawns. And I will say that I do know that Maul and, um, Palpatine, or not Palpatine, Dooku, were both pawns in the larger plan. Because the end goal was for him to get Anakin, obviously, to mm-hmm. turn to the dark side. Well, maybe getting back to the to the pawns that are at the center of this episode. <laughs> um, to Yeah, Cody and, and Crosshair. And um, so here they are. They're, they've got these orders, and they know they're pawns. They both describe themselves as soldiers, right? But, but they seem to have very different uh, attitudes toward 
like the orders that they receive and how they're being used as pawns. And, and, um, yeah. What do you, what do you think about that? Um, they're, you know, when, when they're moving in, as, as you were saying, they, they kind of move very differently. They seem to have different priorities as they're, as they're carrying out this operation. Yeah. I, I think it was interesting in the sense of, again, Cody took it as, okay, we need to go rescue the governor, get out safe, not have casualties, and cross mm-hmm. it. Like, even whenever, like, their gunship crashed, um, Cody was like, we already lost, like, half of our men. And then um, Crosshair is already focused on the mission. He's like, oh, I've done missions with less people. So, yeah. like, him being so focused in on the mission rather than his surroundings is interesting to see because it's like, I don't know. Crosshair just sees it as he needs to get the end goal done regardless of the means. And Cody's like, okay, there is civilians here. We need to to take that into account as like Mm -hmm. a basic operation thing for any sort of military. You don't want to obviously like harm civilians. Um, yeah, and then Crosshairs, again, just any means necessary to get what he needs in and out. Yeah, and to Crosshair, the, the easiest means are shoot people. <laughs> yeah. Blow stuff up, go through people, do whatever. Yeah. I, I do have to say, Crosshair's ability to to make trick shots basically is is still pretty cool i mean the the shot where he took out the the tactical droid mm-hmm. was like oh that was just fun mm-hmm. um but uh yeah no, i thought that was very interesting too because it was like cody didn't even need to know where to throw it he's just like just throw it as far as he can yeah and he'll, he'll just hit it yeah I even yeah, like, and, and hit both the battle droids on the way yeah mm-hmm. I also like his equipment and sort of like the technology that they had because it was just like I was thinking about it it was like they shot the one door going in and then the door opens like they just fry the panel the door's (laughs) open and then it closes right behind him I'm like that doesn't entirely make sense and then I don't know I like his little magnet discs too like his little things that he's been shooting yeah those little pucks but like, then I was thinking about it, like the physics of it is like, how does, how can you just always be looking at it? And then like the angles of it, I don't know. I was, I was very much questioning that in my mind of how, how does this optics work of the lenses? <laughs> this is Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> physics is let's just say physics are different in the star wars <laughs> a little bit <laughs> oh my goodness yeah just a little bit oh my goodness i mean the shot the shot down the barrel of the tank too was was delightful but yeah i i also love the the idea that in the star wars universe um whatever you need to happen with a door you can accomplish by shooting the panel (laughs) (laughs) do you need it to close shoot the panel do you need it to open shoot the panel do you need it to stay locked shoot the panel (laughs) it's an all-in-one trick Uh, as you were talking to though about the the two well the you know the way 
Commander Cody and Crosshair look at things. Um, and what you, were put, what you put down in some notes here, too, it's the, you know, when Crosshair, you know, you feel, when you listen to him, you truly believe he understands this, this comment that we are not the enemy. The Empire seeks to establish peace and order throughout the galaxy. So he's mm-hmm. not looking at them as a, you know, <laughs> as a very hostile group as much as something, some way to keep peace and order, which, you know, obviously then he questions after the governor gets let go and stuff. But, but before that even, what I thought, find was interesting too was the fact that both Tawny Ames and the, that governor and, and, uh, and Commander Cody, when they actually start their own negotiations for the peace, you know, they both take off their helmet, you know, so they're not mm-hmm. hiding behind that. They're looking at each other, you know. And then the interesting thing is, is when, you know, Commander Cody says, well, and then, of course, Cody puts his gun down, too, to show that he's not going to do anything. But, you know, we've both lived through one war. Let's not start another. Too many mm-hmm. have died already. Resolve with the, You know, we can resolve this out bloodshed. But then... He says to her, please do this for your people. And yeah, yeah. And so it's like he's trying to, you know, get the situation done. And maybe he's thinking, hey, if we can resolve this peacefully, they can go on peacefully. We'll get my, you know, we'll get the governor home, you know, safe and sound. And obviously that's not what, you know, Governor Groton has in mind. But it's just you can see, you know, Cody's idea, I think, is mostly, okay. Let's do this with the limited amount of bloodshed. Let's do what's best for everybody in this thing. <laughs> and let's move forward because, you know, he's, you know, he's gone through a lot. She's gone. Th- everybody's gone through a lot with this, you know, the prior wars and stuff. And well, and yeah, he has this deep belief that, you know, it's, it's about establishing peace and order mm-hmm. and, and, you know, he, he, like he's a believer in the peace and the order. <laughs> yeah. And he's trying to convince himself that that's what the Empire really wants. Um, And then, of course, then after she does let the governor go, then you get that, (laughs) well, the call and to execute her from him. Yeah. And, you know, it's and then, of course, then Crosshair is the one that comes through with that, which, I mean, I guess you could see coming because. (laughs) But, um. That was interesting, too, though, because it was interesting because Commander Cody, in the beginning of that scene, when he comes in there and then he puts his guns down on the floor, he waves to uh, Crosshair to lower his. So he doesn't mm-hmm. he doesn't keep holding it as a gun. He put he lowers it, but he doesn't he never lets it go. So then at that point, when the governor gave his view or his comment or his command, you know, and Commander Cody didn't do it. Um, then Crosshair is actually doing what the governor's telling him. He, you know, it's kind of like overriding Commander Cody's authority. I don't know how that was. And then he was just doing what a soldier's supposed to do, I guess, right? But... It almost seemed like he was saving Cody, too, because as he started saying it, uh, the governor was like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't, if you don't do this, you will be like put on trial, basically. Mm-hmm. Because you yeah, face the consequences. Him. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Crosshair immediately shot him before he could even finish that, just so... It almost seems like he was trying to save Cody. That could a little be. Bit. Yeah, that's one way of looking at it. I, I think when I first watched it, I was just seeing Crosshair's impatient, look, an order's been given, good soldiers <laughs> follow orders, here we go. 
But yeah, he, I mean, by doing so, he took the choice away from Cody. So Cody didn't have to be charged with disobedience. Does, uh, does Crosshair ever do what the other Bad Batchers do with the, the stun setting? I mean, against other clones, maybe, or... Or is he? He's always been live rounds, right? Kind of. <laughs> I know. mean, I I don't remember. I can't remember season one yeah. as well. Like 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 every instance, but yeah, I think he might be right. I like just the others because like when he would go after the other bad batchers, you know, where he was hunting them down. I don't think he was going to stun them. Where I don't know. I could. Mm. I, I'm not sure about that, but definitely the you know when you know the other four are going after are going against clones that are going for after them. They always look at them as brothers and say, okay, we're not going to kill them. We're going to do something, you know, we're going to stun them. And so that was, I was just kind of curious, but no crosshair's definitely always been a, a shoot to kill kind of right. person. I think. Okay. So how do, how do you read the end of the episode? I mean, he's clearly surprised that Cody went a wall or, or at least, He's disappointed that Cody, like, he's disappointed that he's not being uh, paired up with Commander Cody again. But, like, I don't know, I, I found the tone in, in that last scene to be kind of ambiguous. Um, the the Admiral making that line, um, I'm not going to get it exactly, but it, it was something like, you know, funny isn't it how all these clones around you keep disappearing um and like i'm wondering what is going on in crosshair's mind um do you, do you think crosshair's beginning to reconsider his good soldiers follow orders attitude or is he is he kind of getting more deeply ingrained or i don't know I feel like he's either going to hit a point of no return where even if he like is left or not, but I do think he'll still also go under some sort of personal development more where he will think about it more because I don't, I don't think he's not going to ignore the fact that like Cody left him now right after and the empire left him on Camino for like 30, 30 days basically. Yeah. Before, like, they even found him, kind of thing. And it was like, you could have ran, but, like, you didn't. Why? And he's like, because he's a soldier, and, like, this is what he's meant to do. Yeah. I, he's probably going to end up staying until something bad happens, but I don't know. It's, it's how he's sort of just become at this point is he knows he's a soldier. This is what he's meant to do. He's so embedded into his own calling of that, and it's not going to... It, it'll take something very, very big to change that in him. Do you think that something big is coming? I mean, it, I, It's I, the third episode of the yeah. season. It's, it's a little too early to tell. Yeah, but it's season two. I mean... <laughs> I, I'd like, like to see something happen where he's going to reconsider it more. Or yeah. anything, really. I mean, he's such a complex and sympathetic character. Sorry, John, you were going to say. Well, I was just going to say, well, you know, when you looked at him in the beginning, and I I, I meant to rewatch the beginning again, but it was like, because, you know, it, does kind of, it kind of felt like, you know, 
like he they call him the solitary clone because he's all by himself. He's no longer yeah. with his team. And even when he sits down with the other clones, they get up and they move away from him and stuff. And you know, welcome to Empire High School. Yeah. <laughs> but I was you kind of uh, principal's office. <laughs> but I was trying to. Yeah. <laughs> and but the funny the thing is though, it's like I was one. I was trying to think about it, but like when that second time after he had talked to Cody, um, out, you know, the after the the mission, and or the last time he talks to him. And then when he's waking up in the morning, he's just lying in his bed, staring at the at the ceiling before the alarm goes off. And that made me wonder, it's like maybe things are churning, you know, about what Cody said about, you know, are we doing the right thing, you know, as the Empire or, you know, or, mm. you know, mm-hmm. what, does, what does it say? We're soldiers. We uh, Are we making the galaxy better, he asked, with the new Empire is what Cody asked. And, and Crosshair says, we're soldiers. We do what we need to light, to be done. And then... And then the part about the, you know, what the difference was is they can make their own decisions <laughs> from battle droids. It's the whole, at that point, I think maybe it does sink into Crosshair a little bit that it's not so much the, or maybe there is something that is, could turn them to return back to the regular, you know, away from the Empire and towards the Bad Batch. But the other thing, too, that I wondered is, was the surprise too that he had when he talked to to Rampart and he said, what? Oh, I'm not going to commander Cody. And he's like, who? (laughs) And because he only knows him as CC two, 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 four, you know, he's like, cause then he says, Oh, here's your call sign or whatever, you know, the number. And then he was told before going AWOL and stuff, but that was the whole, you know, he might start seeing him as, you know, as wait a minute, maybe we aren't that important to the empire, you know, and stuff. And then, Way in the beginning, they even mentioned that that act they were trying to pass again, the uh, oh, yeah, defense the recruitment, recruitment bill <laughs> to yeah. replace the clones. So it's like, I think that was an important thing to add to it, maybe. And then when he sees how he's being treated, and then you hear how Cody, you know, went AWOL after he had, his, you know, his conscience spoke to him. It makes me think that, you know, like... It's, he's either going to have to go hard in with the Empire regardless, or I'm leaning towards he's going to turn at some point. But it, it's going to take a while, I think. <laughs> well, and it's interesting. They sent a clone force in to in, initially mm-hmm. to rescue the governor. But the governor had TK troopers, stormtroopers uh, with him. And all of the troopers that came in after that initial attack um, were TK troopers. Mm, Um, So, yeah, I mean, this is, I don't know. It's, it's a bigger sort of historical moment in the star Wars universe of phasing out the clones and, and phasing in the, the uh, recruited stormtroopers. But um yeah, what what did the Admiral say at one point? Um, it seems clone loyalty isn't as advertised anymore or something like that. And it's like, so is the, are the recruits, the stormtroopers, why are they so loyal then? Um, you know, the clones were programmed to be loyal and, mm-hmm. and. But still, that's a, that's a programming versus them still being human. 
So like yeah. in the moment, they also, without a hesitation, did order sixty six. Well, some hesitated, but I don't want to say Rex yeah, did or hesitate. Yeah. But then afterwards, now they're sort of contemplating again of everything they did, and it's almost like I don't know. It's like they're a whole different person for that moment, and then afterwards they're like able to actually think about it again, and they're like, "What have I done?" and it's almost like, how can they force them to still be a part of the Empire and loyal to the Empire when they make them do something that they're not entirely sure of? Mm-hmm. Because if they were able to stay in whatever state they were without having to think back on the event kind of thing, I don't think they would have the issue of them, obviously, like, Leaving. Like if they had the inhibitor chips like constantly turned on, yeah, or something. Or like, something switches after that, so that way they're not going to think again about like questioning the order. Yeah, yeah. Because they're human, they're going to reflect on like what they've done, hopefully, and see that hey, this was like a really bad thing to do. What did what did the Jedi actually even do? We were just yeah. told like shoot him without a reason. I mean, the reason given was that they, they made an attempt on the chancellor's life on Palpatine's life. Um, but yeah, that's a, I mean, while kind of technically true, um, <laughs> it's, it's also not a reason to assassinate every Jedi everywhere. Um, and also all of the clones don't know that because they're just told execute this order. And that's all that's yeah, repeated true. on the comm channels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, I mean, I mean, I think I'm thinking as, you know, here you are, you're a soldier in a war situation. You're given an order that you don't understand. How much do you question that order? At what, and I've I've never been in the military myself, so I don't I don't have direct experience, and I don't know if either of you have have military experience. No. But just in general, questioning authority is something that should be done, and asking questions as to why are we doing this is a very reasonable thing to do. Understanding it, it makes it better in general for you, either good or bad. Of at least then you understand at least to an extent what's going on i understand that you may not be told everything but again it's like why do i need to do this why do i need to execute this order oh the jedi you know were going towards attempting to kill palpatine and overthrow him okay that's somewhat reasonable i guess kind of thing versus just being like led Blindly told what to do is not a good way of leading. And you can't just be like, do this because you are sheep kind of thing. Which is ultimately what they try doing with clones. But at that point, they're treating them like drone, or droids. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah I, I still see that as also a very big thing of the clones acting as droids versus humans. You definitely see their rationale and them questioning things which is a very human thing to do is to understand why things are the way they are Mm -hmm. and getting that deeper understanding 
again, is what's causing them to then leave or, in Crosshair's case, get closer to the Empire. Because he's seeing it as he needs to step up what he needs to do because this is what he was bred for. At the same time, he's seeing more and more clearly how little the Empire actually values him. And, and, uh, he's yeah, trying I, to make his worth still. Yeah. He's trying to prove himself as, as valuable. Yeah. You know, and then I don't know if anybody got this feeling, but like when you're watching him in his cell or his room or whatever you want to call it there, it kind of made me go back to Andor and thinking about the prison, you know, and that he was part yeah. of, you know, they all had their individual cells and stuff. And it's like, you know, does he really feel like he's part of this team when nobody sits by, you know, and stuff? And then, of course, Cody leaves and or does he feel like he's a prisoner in this kind of, you know, situation of, you know, and he's trying to do what he's he's being told. But then he's still, the you know, the solitary clone, <laughs> you know, by himself, yeah. you know, waking up to his alarm every day and, you know, going through the motions that he has to. But I don't know. It's like that makes me wonder, too, if that would help, you know him change his mind, you know, about where he's going with, you know, is this really what he should be doing or is he really just a prisoner in the sense of what he's doing? Yeah. The soldier is the prisoner, but the prisoner <laughs> finds community. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Andor, um, I mean, I've, I found this episode to just be kind of tonally a lot more dark and serious than most of the, the rest of the bad batch. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in some ways kind of mirroring some of the, the, the realistic and the, um, maybe not realistic, but, but kind of the, the focus on the, the darker and more bureaucratic and more like, you know, lacking hope, I suppose, um, aspects of Andor. And, um, I, I don't know. Do did you i guess i guess my question is like do you think do you think maybe there's like some interplay between like developing andor and the bad batch do you think this episode shifts the tone of the whole series in some way or i think this episode definitely changes it a little bit in the sense of how we see the empire functioning still obviously mm. we're seeing it in its very early stages here but seeing how that like the direction they are heading and what they are trying to push and go for, it's an interesting development to see. And I definitely understand the sort of darker aspects that you can see, especially with like the lighting and even the planet that they were on mm-hmm. was very mm-hmm. like red, dark, cloudy planet. And you don't really get a sense of like, it being a very happy, hopeful place. It's a very small city, basically, with what seems like people just living in whatever corner they can find. Yeah, it seems like, I don't know, was it like just mining pits all surrounding the city or something like that? I, yeah, it looked... I wasn't sure what they were, what it was. <laughs> what they if, were if someone had said, oh, this is this is a picture of, you know, one of the circles of Dante's Inferno <laughs> or something, I would have said, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> well, I did think it took a serious check. But then 
you know, <laughs> when I look at it and said, oh, it is TG, TV PG rated and not just like, you know, for, you know, I think of an animated show more for kids and, you know, it did take a definitely a more serious tone. But then at the end of episode two, it was Rampart that shot Captain Wilco, too. And, you know, when he heard about it. Mm. So it is, it seems like it is taking a, a deeper, a darker turn a little bit or, you know. You know, unless I mean, it's like you're still going to probably have your lighthearted moments and a lot of that kind of stuff and humor worked into it. But I think it's taking a more serious tone, I guess, and on the war part, especially on how it relates to how they treat the clones. Right. So (laughs) speaking of the darker things, I thought it was sort of like a horror movie thing whenever they had the droidicas like Mm. spinning in the (laughs) background, trying to figure out where they're coming from. And all, I oh, had yeah. my headphones on too, so I'm just like hearing them like rolling behind me. And I'm like, whoa! I can see this is like being like a little horror movie of like the clones trying to fight them, and you just hear stuff rolling around in the background. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. New Star Wars horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I mean, I mean, there are plenty of of monsters and and creatures and unknown things, and the dark side of the force is definitely horrific so i i could i could see a star wars horror movie one of these days that would be yeah i'm i i I like what you pointed out about like the color scheme like everything was like red and black and gray on the planet and then it was like blue and black and gray at the um you know where uh where crosshair and and the others where the admiral was based um i'm not even sure was that on coruscant do we know i'm not Um, sure yeah but like the only light colored thing in the entire episode was was the battle memorial and it was this like shining gold uh wall of names or I, i i'm assuming they were names or or registration numbers of of fallen clones that's that's my guess um i don't read i didn't look into what it was so i'm not i don't know i'm very curious though and and the other thing the other thing that that really struck me was the music um especially toward the end but i think throughout the music had this kind of minor slightly dissonant um sort of 80s synth feel that really reminded me of Blade Runner. Um, and, and again, this is like an Andor connection. A lot of people were talking about the aesthetics of Andor, especially the first episode, having this Blade Runner feel to it. And um, and I was getting those vibes. Um, and it, it was reminding me of... Uh, you remember the, the speech that, um, you know... I've seen things you people wouldn't believe from the end of, of Blade Runner, you know, all these memories will be lost like tears in rain. And, and I started thinking about the, like the, the comparisons between the clone troopers and the, the replicants in Blade Runner. And, um, that, that sort of similar tragedy. I don't know. I, I, I like to think, especially because we've seen, uh, other other clones like Rex and so on, um, kind of breaking out of it. That maybe there's more hope for <laughs> hope for the clone troopers in Star Wars. 
um blade runner is a pretty pretty bleak view of things yeah i i definitely want to see the, the clones sort of have like a higher turn of hope like rather than in kenobi where you saw the one just on the street corner have them actually yeah, have yeah. a purpose and also i did a quick google search here uh the golden wall is the battle of geonosis memorial so oh okay at least that's what it what i found here on the first link <laughs> um, is that like an official source or is that wikipedia or it's dork side of the force.com <laughs> <laughs> so i i don't know how how much to trust it but uh, call out yeah. to you dork side of the force <laughs> yeah <laughs> so um, it, it says it's from the battle of geonosis which would make sense also for the clones where that was their basically their first calling so. yeah yeah that's true with all their casualties and stuff sort of seeing them also i guess that would make more sense than at least the poetry of it of like them sort of being like at their end versus at the beginning and like they're still sort of in that dying state the death at the beginning and death now i don't know it's never good with poetry (laughs) (laughs) well as as lucas likes to say it it you know it rhymes it's like you know so something something about it i mean i i this is something that star wars that that disney has done i mean i think they handled the initial kind of reset of canon really badly um but they have been trying to build up a a consistent set of of canon since they took over lucasfilm and um and I appreciate, especially you know the the details, the depth of knowledge that that uh, Dave Filoni puts into into a lot of his work. It's 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 impressive, and it it, it adds resonance. I think. Any other thoughts on uh, Bad Batch season two, episode three? I'm curious to see what Crosshair's next mission. If we get to see that or not. You know, yeah. Um, you know, under the other or whoever he's getting assigned to next, and. Because it makes you wonder is like because you pointed out that with the troopers coming in and in the clone force going into and then the troopers following again, it's like, are they just going to keep sending the clones on these kind of missions and maybe eventually just try to, you know, over time, you know, their numbers will decline because they'll get into these fights or whatever it is. And whereas the troopers are going in just to keep order where, you know, and maybe the clones mm-hmm. are, you know, maybe that's how they thin them out or, you know, or I don't know, but I'm just kind of curious to see. And then of course, what, uh, what crosshair, <laughs> which way he's going to turn, you know, it's like, or develop, I guess. I definitely do that. I would, I, I'm very interested in, again, the, the phasing out of the clones and how that's going to happen. And I'd love to see Crosshair still cross paths eventually, which he most likely will, um, with the the rest of his group, and sort of see if maybe he'll join them then, and what would happen there. Sort of seeing how they set up that overall arching plot of getting them reunited. Yeah, my guess is that's inevitable. <laughs> um, right on. Well, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible to create Secrets of Star Wars, including Kenneth P., Anne F., 
Ashley D, Janet K, and Nancy. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Wars and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. This StarQuest show is brought to you by Tim Shevlin's personal fitness training for Catholics, providing spiritual and physical wellness through personalized nutrition, workout and prayer programs, and daily accountability check-ins. Learn more by visiting fitcatholics.com. Be sure to subscribe to our show in Apple Podcasts or Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. And to find previous episodes of Secrets of Star Wars and send us some feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash Star Wars. You can email us at starwars at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. Or join our Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord. We'll be back next time when we will be discussing The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 4. Until then, Josh, thanks for joining us in sharing the secrets of Star Wars. Thank you for having me. And John, thank you as well for joining our panel. Thanks, it was great. Once again, I'm Robert King. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. Here's another podcast on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash secrets.